0: All right, here we go. We're going to read together in the book of Hebrews. I should have given you a heads up. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. We've been using this as our kind of our starting point, our focal point. And uh, I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified, which will be on the screen if you'd like to follow along or follow along in your own translation. You might read a little bit different, but uh, we have the same spirit of the word. All right. Verse 19 says this, Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus, by this fresh, new, and living way which he initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating curtain, the veil of the Holy of Holies, that is, through his flesh, and since we have such a great and wonderful and noble high priest who rules over the house of God, let us all, he says it's kind of a therefore, Let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith by that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty, evil conscience and our bodies cleansed with pure water. Verse 23, so let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering. Someone say without wavering. without wavering. We're to retain without wavering the hope, the expectation we cherish and confess. Someone say and confess. And confess. It says and confess and acknowledge an acknowledge, acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. I think I need to read that again. For he who promised. He who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to His Word. The Old Testament tells us that He watches over His Word to perform it. And that in the book of Isaiah, it says that as His Word goes out, it will not return void or empty. It will accomplish the work for which it's sent. So how many of you know the Word's pretty important? But Let me tell you something. We have to get that Word out there for that Word to work. And we do that with our mouths. So, Says this, confess acknowledgement. Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see. The day approaching. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Your words are life to us, Lord. And Father, as we look into your word, this word of life, Father, we ask you to use this word to strengthen and expand our capacity for faith. Your word says that without faith, it is literally impossible to please you. So, Father, we want to we want to please you. It's our heart to please you. It's not just our heart to be powerful. It's not just our heart to be anointed. It's not just our heart to be impactful and fruitful. It is our heart to please you. It's our hearts, our motive, Father. What drives us is our desire to please you and to be with you and to be in your presence. Holy Spirit, I ask you to add your anointing and your grace to the reading and the study of your word. And we thank you that it will produce fruit. In Jesus' name, somebody said. Amen, amen. amen. You can be seated. A number of years ago, I think it's very important. Let me set this up for a second. It's very important that you understand that the Bible, the Word of God, is practical for everyday life. And that the Word of God is not just practical when you're in a crisis. Crisis Christians never ultimately walk in victory. I want you to hear this again. This is very important. Because a lot of people don't reach for their Bible... A lot of people don't reach for their old tapes, CDs. They don't turn on TV and watch, watch their favorite preacher. They don't listen to a podcast until there's a crisis, until the bottom drops out. But how many you know God is looking for faithful people? God's looking for those that are stable. Amen? God's looking for those that are consistent. Say, stable makes me able. You should write that down. Stable makes you able. And we got to get in our mind that God is looking for those who will be consistent, those who are marked by faithfulness. And so when we talk about getting this word, speaking this word, declaring this word, I'm not talking about doing it once and then sitting back saying, All right, Lord, bless me. Bless me indeed. You know, God's not a bless me factory. You don't put your little tip in and then pull the handle and get a blessing. When it comes to walking with Jesus, it's a relationship in which we do what we do every day. We do the right thing every day for a long period of time, and that generates what's called the flywheel effect, which is momentum. And so we need to get a hold of this momentum, but the only way we will do it is by consistency, by stability, and by faithfulness. Amen? So when we talk about speaking the word, declaring the word, working the word, is the way, way we kind of throw it around here. You know, we know the word works, but you've got to work the word. When we talk about that, we're not talking about you being a one-hit wonder. We're talking about you consistently, constantly, day in, day out, when you don't feel like it, when you're half asleep, when you're driving on your way to work, when you're at work, when you're in your environment, when you're in the classroom, you working the Word on a consistent basis. God will not bless one-hit wonders in the kingdom. And I don't know about you, but I want to position myself to be under His canopy of grace. Now, I know His grace is sufficient, His grace is there, but I want to be positioned whereby I literally am positioned to receive the blessing of God. Do you not want to be empowered? Do you not want to be happy? I mean, the word means happy, and, and of course, in America, we translate that a whole lot different ways than the scripture does, but, but tonight, I want to talk to you about the value of declaration, and as I do that, I want to share a little bit, and I, I may even have Annette come up for a second. When we were in Brownwood, Texas, uh, planting a church, and uh, if you ever want to do something that will absolutely test your faith, uh, pastor a church, but secondly, plant a church, that takes even to a whole nother level. That's why we need to continue to remember Chris and Casey Pate. We need to continue to lift them up because they are in the trenches. They're on the front lines. They're in Houston. And listen, it is not a cakewalk. They didn't show up, put a sign up, and people start showing up. They are having to work the soil and cultivate. So we need to remember to lift up Chris and Casey. When we close tonight, would you remind me to lift up City Life Church because they are planting and doing the hard work, and it is hard work, and it's tough ground to plow. And so when we were in Brownwood, we planted a church called River of Life Church. And uh, we, we were always challenged with, are we going to be able to have enough money to, to make a paycheck? Oh, by the way, we're still challenged there. And I think that's one of those faith things that always happens, but we were really challenged there. I mean, we literally had to believe God and pray in literally everything. And let me tell you something. When we begin to work the Word, and get serious about this Word. Now, if you're going through an okay season, then, then you won't feel the pressure of this. And it'll be like, oh yeah, that's nice. But let me tell you something. When the bottom is dropped out of your life, when you have nothing to turn to, and you don't have a daddy warbucks signing checks for you, and you know that the only way you're going to see increase, the only way you're going to see breakthrough, is by believing the Word of God and standing on the Word of God. Then let me tell you something. You become one of those Christians. You become one of those people that maybe even offended you at one point in your life when you were more settled in your faith. But when you begin to take risks and step out there into the faith zone, you better have some word on your mouth ready to be released and you better build your faith because there will be days when that is the only thing you have and the only option is to go backwards. And we made a decision we weren't going backwards. We, we bought a little house over by, in Brownwood, Texas, a little park called Coggin Park. It's a really nice old park. And it has a walking trail around it. And we began to go out there. We began to do the, our walks every day. And we began to get the Word of God on our mouth. Now, you got to understand something. We don't have the Bible memorized. I mean, a lot of it's the King Jimmy and King Annette version. I mean, it, you know, it's it's a little bit of the New American Standard, a little bit of that. I mean, you know, but but the Word works. And we began to get the word on our mouth, and we we started really simply. But we would just go around, and we would walk, and we would tag team proclaim. Now, people would walk by us, and we'd we'd tone it down a little bit. We don't freak anybody out at the park. But let me tell you something. When everything looks like it's not going to work, you don't have a choice. You're going to have to get radical. And you know, we all have all of God we really want, and the question is, how much do you want? And if you want more, you're going to have to go to a new level. And so we knew that the only way we were going to even survive was literally to be standing on the word of God and become one of those Christians. One of those radical, faith, believing, calling those things that be not as though they were, standing on the word, believing that God's word never returns void, believing that we're the head, not the top. We began to declare. Now let me tell you something. When we began doing this, there were no signs that any of that was working. And see, that's the thing about faith. Faith means you actually do it before you see it. A lot of people have faith when they see something. A lot of people are waiting to see something to believe. And you're in good company. So was Thomas, one of the disciples. And Jesus didn't rebuke him. He just said, look, blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. Blessed are they. They're blessed. Thomas, I love you. You're my disciple. But blessed are those who... so." We had to have faith, so we began to walk around this park. And every day, we just began confessing the Word of God. And let me tell you something. We weren't pros. We weren't slick. We didn't have it all memorized. But let me tell you something. We needed to see God move. You You ever needed to see God move in your life? How many of you need to see God move right now on something in your life? Then let me ask you an honest question, not to put you down. This isn't condemnation. I'm trying to stir something in you. What are you doing about it? You know, it's funny, we'll go to the, to the phone before we'll go to the throne. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, man, i, I got to have some movement here, so I'm going to go call my friends. I'm going to go Facebook it, get it out there and get all my Facebook friends. But a lot of times we'll go to those sources before we even go to God. We walk around that part, we speak and declare and begin declaring, begin declaring, begin speaking, begin to declare and begin to declare. And again, it was awkward at first and it was almost a little, I mean, we just felt silly sometimes doing it, but let me tell you something. We knew the principle that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we knew if we spoke the word and declared the word, then we were hearing the word. Therefore, follow the logic train. Our faith was growing. Let me tell you what began to happen. Our faith began to explode. And let me tell you what happens when you do this. You become larger on the inside than you are on the outside at first. I know it sounds crazy, but think about it. Your faith capacity begins to grow. Your inner man, your spiritual man, the spirit man, begins to grow and expand and expand and expand. And at some point, it's just got to spill out. Because at the end of the day, we leak out what we are full of. And when you begin to get full of the word, let me tell you what starts to leak out. The word. The word. And so we began doing this. We walk around the park, we just confess, confess, speak, speak. And, and we, sometimes it was repetitive. Some, it wasn't fancy. Sometimes it was the same thing every day. But we began to declare blessings over our city. We began to declare. And now, you got to understand, the economy in Brownwood back then, what year was that, 98? In 98, was terrible. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was just a, when you drove into Brownwood, you just felt this oppression on you. And it had run a lot of good ministers out of town. I mean, it was just a dark place spiritually. And we just began to come against that. We began to speak every day. Now, listen, we didn't initially see any change. But when we left that city some three years later and we moved to Midland and we were running the foster care agency, I kept getting word back that, hey, Howard Payne University is expanding their facilities. They're getting students. They're coming in like crazy. We used to call in students to Howard Payne University. Lord, bless the school with more students. Bless the school with more enrollment. We understood. Lord, bless the economic base of the city. Then we'd hear about 3M or Kohler there in Brownwood expanding. we begin to hear of all these good things. Then we, there was a period of time that passed... And we were invited to go back to Brownwood and to kind of a little reunion thing. And we went back. And I mean, there was a new overpass in town. The school had expanded. The economy had obviously changed. And they had renovated the entire downtown of Brownwood and put all these nice lamps. And it was beautiful. And I was like, none of this happened while we were here. But let me tell you something. The Lord reminded me that we had a role in that. Because we had been speaking that over the city, that the city is blessed, the city is prospering, the city is growing, the city is the head and not the tail. We spoke it, and I believe we called some things, at least set some things in motion. Now, you don't have to believe a word I'm saying, but let me tell you something. When the bottom drops out of your life, you'll be the one standing, speaking, declaring the word. Amen? And so we did, and I'm telling you, we saw movement. Well, just a few months ago, Annette and I, decided. I don't know about you, but you know, you can read a lot of information, learn a lot of, a lot of new things, but at some point you got to go back to the roots and the foundations that work. You know what I'm saying? Spiritually speaking, there are times when we grow, we we get onto this cause, you know, justice, social justice is a really big thing right now. We I mean, you know we got to get justice for this group and that group and and those are good things and good causes. But at some point You've got to come back from doing social justice and get back to the foundations of discipleship in the Word. So social justice is a big cause. Big worship movement hit with Hillsong, explosion of all that, and, and all these bands and all that. So worship was a huge and is a huge emphasis in the church. But at the end of the day, we're still going to have to come back to the basics and say, but what worked? Because it's great to have bands and music and video and all those things, but at the end of the day... When you're home, you don't have any of this stuff. You don't have me and Pastor Rich trying to stir you up and get you excited. You don't have Sammy you know, stirring you up and making you go crazy out of your comfort zone. You don't have any of that stuff. What you have is you and your Bible. And you better be able to work that word at that point. Does this make sense? So let me tell you something. Annette and I got tired of going around the same mountains on some things. And we realized we needed to go back to what works. And so we went back, we got our Bible out, we got our little blue book, Prayers That Avail Much, by Jermaine Copeland. I highly recommend you get that book, Jermaine Copeland, Prayers That Avail Much, good website as well. And we got that little book and we started about five nights a week, we do it every night, about five nights a week, we started reading, I started reading, Prayers on Renewing the Mind, Peaceful Sleep, uh, Walking in the Will of God. Knowing and doing the will of God. There, there's so many of them. Down the Which one? Casting down, the Casting down the imaginations. There's a whole section on dealing with the thought life. And so we do that every night. Well, that wasn't good enough because it was like, well, we need to do what worked. What worked in our life? Walking and praying. So we started going out around the neighborhood and we started walking and praying. And I'll pray a little bit. She prays a little bit. Let me tell you what we're fully expecting. First of all, we're not leaving before we see our harvest this time. We left Brownwood and everybody else enjoyed our harvest. We're not leaving here. We're, we're going to watch our harvest. We're going to enjoy the fruit of our labor. Amen? So I want to encourage you. That, that began to produce such fruit. Now, we're at a point in our lives where in, in life you'll see things cycle around. And there'll be a lot of new things to get involved in and they're all good. But at some point you've got to come back to what works for you. What works for us is the power of declaring the Word of God getting the word of God on our mouths. It's great to meditate on it, and you should. But I'm telling you, speaking and declaring that word. Now, the word declaration literally means to make quite clear. So when we talk about declaring the word, speaking the word, we're talking about making it quite clear for heaven, making it quite clear for hell, and making it quite clear, frankly, for us. For ourselves, we're stirring ourselves up when we speak the word of God and when we declare the word. Does that make sense? Now, here's it does a lot of things. It's out of the mouth that we reveal what's in the heart. So, so out of the mouth, the the heart or the mouth becomes a barometer, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We just say you leak out what you're full of. It's the same thing. The earth itself was created with what God what said spoke. Amen. All right, Jesus used words to fight the devil during his temptation. It is written, it Is written, and then he said, it is said, but he declared it every time. It is written, and then he declared it. It is written, then he said it. Does that make sense? And so he used the word as his weapon against the enemy. Faith is released through words. Faith is released through your words. You release it. When Jesus spoke to Lazarus, he released faith for Lazarus to be healed, to come out, to be raised from the dead. Jesus defied and counteracted the established laws of nature with words. Uh, I had that same thing. Jesus rebuked a storm with words. Jesus rebuked a demon. Many cast out a demon with words. And Jesus rebuked sickness with words. He always spoke. He always spoke. It's funny that if that was Jesus' way of operating, then why have we moved off of that mode of operation? Why would we try to do it different and expect to get a great result when he said, you're going to do greater things than I do? But if we're going to do greater things, I think we still have to engage his method. Can I get an amen? Amen. So what is his method? His method was to speak. His method was to war with words, speak with words, move the kingdom with words. And let me tell you what our method should be. To war with words, move the kingdom with words, defeat the enemy with words, defeat the enemy the battle that goes on in your mind, those negative, stinking, thinking thoughts, and defeat those with what? The Word of God. The Word of God. All right, and then the last one, Jesus issued a stern warning concerning our words because he understood the power that words carry for both good and bad. He said, literally, man will be held accountable, this scares me, for every idle word spoken. You and I will give an account for every idle word spoken. Yeah, me too. All right, power confessions. And what we're doing is we're taking different ones, and we're just kind of unpacking them a little bit. The first week we talked about this. We talked about, and the power confession is, this is something I say every day, is I talk about how good God is. God, you're so good. God, you're amazing. God, you're awesome. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I've been listening to Lincoln Brewster's uh, newest release uh, called Real Life, and he's got a song, God, you're good. God is good. I mean, it just just tears me up hearing that, listening to it, and I've just got it on my mouth all the time. Declaring the goodness of God even when circumstances aren't good. And let me tell you something, this is where faith comes in and where we begin to declare something that doesn't appear to be so. That's called faith. Amen? Second one we talked about is that God is for me. you got to understand, if, if if God is for us, who can be against us? That's Romans chapter 8. If God's for us, who can be against us? So who would even dare bring a charge against God's elect? Who would even dare? And so we understand that God is for us. And I say it all the time, God, I just thank you that you're so for me. I thank you, Father, you've got my back. I thank you, Father, that you've got my front. Thank you, Lord, that you got my right hand and my left. And your word says that I'll hear a word behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whether you turn to the right hand or to the left, that's Isaiah. And I'm telling you, God has got your back. And when you begin to declare it, you're reminding yourself of it. You're calling it into remembrance, and it stirs up faith. And it'll make you walk a little taller, let me put it that way. All right, now tonight we're going to talk about this one. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let me tell you, in the book of Nehemiah where we see this this unfold and where this scripture gets lifted out, and not not in a negative way of proof texting, but but we do need to understand there's something going on here in this setting where Nehemiah had been given the responsibility to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem as they had been destroyed. It was common practice for an invading uh, army to literally destroy Jerusalem those things in a city which were precious to that culture and for them it was the temple and secondly it was it was the wall so they knew if they could destroy the walls there was no fortress and so they literally destroyed and took apart the wall around the old city jerusalem and so that was the scene nehemiah had been held into into what's called the babylonian captivity and uh was was in that when God spoke to him and he was actually a cupbearer to the king. He had actually been promoted to a very high position. It doesn't sound like a great job. You have to drink the wine before the king does. Somebody goes, that's a cool job. But but it could be poisoned. So you were there to be the buffer zone and to be the blocking dummy, so to speak, for the king. So if it was poisoned and you drank it and you died, then you'd done your job well. <laughs> Woohoo. Way to go, Nehemiah. But so but but it was actually very prestigious and it was a very trusted position and so not anybody could become a cupbearer to the king and, and they actually escorted the king or with the king and actually got to know and built relationship with the king so it was a very very unique position and so he had aspired to that or had become that been promoted to that by God had positioned him hey you no know God promotes hey you know God positions amen. Amen. amen God does so God had gotten him in that position in chapter eight they had rebuilt the walls and they were going to come together to celebrate. Let me tell you how the the Jews would celebrate. They would worship God. So when they came together to celebrate, they came together to worship God, to exalt Him, to glorify Him, as as should we. And so in in chapter 8 of of the book of Nehemiah, and I don't have this for Randall, but I'll go ahead and read that verse, but I'll give some context. Verse 10 says this, Then Ezra... Now, Ezra was was also a scribe at the time who wrote and dictated much of what we read in the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. Then Ezra told them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. This day, the wall has been rebuilt. The glory of the city has been restored. In other words, we look like we used to look. We're, we're, our glory has been returned. He says this, for this day is holy to our Lord, and be not grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. Someone say, The joy of the Lord is my strength and my stronghold. You got to understand why would he tell them, why would they be mourning and weeping? It's because as what Ezra did is he had them begin to read the word of God. They had uncovered in the rubble the scrolls. and they, So they began to read through the word of God that they had at that time. And as they read through the word and they, they realized that their glory had been taken away, they're in captivity. They're God's holy people here, and they don't even own their own city. And they begin to weep and mourn over the fact that they had lost their land. They'd lost everything that's precious to you. And let me just say something about the Jewish culture. If you know of anyone who's Jewish, let me tell you how precious this is. I had lunch today with Moshe Morrison. Moshe Morrison is one of the pastors. He's actually the Jewish theologian at the Messianic congregation uh, in the Haifa Bay area. It's the largest Messianic congregation in all of Israel and we had the privilege of visiting there. He comes to the United States once a year, and for the last five years, he gives me a call and says, Jimmy, I'm in town. Let me just tell you something about Moshe. He and I are about as polar opposite human beings as there can be. I mean, we, we... it's so weird that, that we have this relationship and this friendship that God has built over the last five years. But every time he comes to town, he comes to see me and we sit down, we have lunch together and we just talk about the kingdom. We just talk about what God's doing or just about life. And, and let me tell you something. When I asked him what the political situation was in Israel at this time and I worded it such, I said, I mean in your area, the Haifa Bay area, which is up in in the northern end of Israel, the northern side, uh, just it would be west of the, the Lake of Galilee. It's in that area. And they, they oversee several congregations as well. And he said, uh, he said well, he said, I can't, he said, I can't tell you what the situation is like in our area without telling you about the whole nation because we don't separate. We don't think in terms of our area, our region. He said, "We're a nation." Their mentality is the nation, because that. Let me tell you why this is so important to them. Is because God gave them the land when the Exodus came about, and the and the reins were handed off to Joshua. And his sidekick, Caleb, and those guys came in and began to conquer. And they they had to fight for every inch, even though it had been given to them. They had to fight for every square inch of land they got. And that became ingrained into them that, that this is the truth, that God gave us this land. And no man, no government, no nation, no people will take it away. So it's so critical to them well they had that knowledge here that it was their land and then the Babylonian empire comes in and takes them away captive and destroys the city Jerusalem which held at that time the known manifest presence of God can you imagine how defeated they they felt and they lived and so in 586 BC this happened and they were they were absolutely decimated so when when Nehemiah gets permission from the king to rebuild the walls, that was, that was monumental, it was historical. And it was actually the precursor to them beginning to get their land back. And so what happened was they rebuilt the wall, and, and Ezra, in this celebration, says, we're going to begin to read the Word of God, we're just going to read it. Notice what I just said, we're going to read it, and then he said, we're going to explain it to the people. So that's the scene you have here. And so I want to back up a verse or two. In, um, in verse 8, it says, So they read from the book of the law of God distinctly, faithfully, amplifying and giving the sense so that the people understood the reading. He's saying, man, they were breaking down the word. They they were literally unpacking it so that they understood what they were reading. Verse 9, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. Because they were already f- remembering we're in captivity. We're, we're still in captivity. They were weeping. We've, we've missed God. We've moved away from God. His presence has left us. And they were mourning and weeping. He says, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Because they were reminded of how far away they were from God's intent. I don't know about you, but do you ever have moments, sober moments, so to speak? Moments of awareness? Where in one moment you realize just how far away you are from God's intent and purpose on your life. When I have those moments, I'm telling you, I just thank God for grace. It's not a get out of sin free card, but it is a it is something that without it, we wouldn't have a hope. Amen. And so not to live condemned, but that's exactly what was happening to them. They realized that they had moved away. They were out of alignment. Is this making sense? That and in that context, then Ezra told them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. In other words, we're going to feast. We're going to party. We're going to celebrate. For this day is holy to our Lord and be not grieved and depressed for the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. Let me tell you something. That truth spoken there is just as true today. Do not mourn. Or weep. Do not be depressed. For the joy of the Lord. Is your strength. And your stronghold. And I say this over my life every day. And I say Father. Thank you. Your joy. Your joy abounds in me. Your joy is alive in me. Your joy is my strength. It's just something I declare. And I speak out loud. Let me share a couple of things. And we'll, we'll close on this. Biblical joy is not an emotion. You need to understand something. This doesn't mean I'm in a good mood when I'm declaring this. Notice that it's the joy of the Lord, not the joy of Jimmy. It's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. It's not just something I work up in. Some... Okay, get happy. Get happy. Go to a happy place. Go to a happy place. Think happy thoughts. Woohoo! Puppy dogs, kitty cats. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's not that at all. It's it's not an emotion. Now, if you look it up in a current dictionary, American, you know, on the Webster, it'll, it'll, it'll refer to emotions. But let me tell you something. There's a difference between an emotion and a state of mind or a mentality, okay? And let me just unpack that a second. Biblical joy is not an emotion based on a feeling. Now, listen to this. But a choice. This is critical to understand. It's a choice. One of the greatest gifts that God gave us. Is the power, the gift, the ability to choose. We talked about it, have, the attitude, being able to shift our attitude, ourselves with a choice. It's our choice. No one can make you mad. You allow somebody to make you mad. You choose to be angry. No one makes you mad. You choose to respond in anger. Does that make sense? No one can make you depressed. You choose to respond in a down way, in a negative way, towards a stimuli, whatever that might be. And so we have this power, this ability to choose. Now, I'm not talking about medical conditions here. There are some people whose hormones are whacked. It's not your fault. And you need help with that, and God gifts doctors, amen, and counselors. Thank God, and God has a million ways to get you whole. And praise God for it. So I don't misunderstand and don't, don't default to, oh, my gosh, Well, I just need to toss these. No, 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 no don't do that. I'm, be wise and submit yourself. Try to find a godly doctor, though. Mine prays for me. scary. He won't give me any pills. He like, we're just going really to pray. Really, I'd like something. I'm hurting here. <laughs> nope, we're going to pray. Okay, well, godly doctor, thank you. Biblical joy is not an emotion based on a feeling but a choice based on truth. Okay? But you got to know the truth for the truth to set you free. Did you hear what I said? We know, you know, it says you'll know the truth and the truth the knowledge of it, but you got to know the truth for the truth to set you free. So it's based on truth, it's based on intention, and it's based on action. I choose to rejoice. It's my choice. I'm gonna have a good day on purpose. I'm about to have a mini vacation. For 30 seconds, I'm going on vacation. I choose to enjoy. Thirty seconds. I'm shifting everything right now. Somebody need to go on a little vacation. You're looking a little tired. Look at this. And it's defined as a state of happiness. It's a mentality, it's a state of happiness, it's a state, a place. Philippians 4, 4-9, look at it on, this, on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. So let me tell you something. If he tells you to rejoice, that means you have a choice to rejoice. He wouldn't tell you to do it if there wasn't a choice to do it. Does that make sense? So he says, and it's an imperative, he's saying, I'm, I'm mandating you. I'm telling you, I'm giving you an order. Rejoice in the Lord always notice it says always again i say says it for emphasis rejoice always well what if i'm having a bad day oh there's a good time to rejoice woohoo god is so awesome even though i'm having the worst day of my life god is good he's awesome he's for me and god's on the throne rejoice in the lord always notice it says though rejoice in the lord not in your circumstances Notice it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength, and that we're to rejoice in the what. See a theme here? It's kind of like the branch being connected to the vine. For apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And so we got to stay connected. All right, Philippians four four through nine. Let, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord—that's just a confidence. Just be at peace because the Lord's near. The Lord's in control. Let your gentleness be known. Mo- Let me tell you something. Your peace, your confidence will reflect. And it will will shine out the glory of God. You get around a truly confident, not cocky, not arrogant believer, but a truly confident believer who's really walking in this and understands God really is in control. I'm telling you, you can't stop that. You can't touch this. Right, Pastor? The Lord is at hands. Keep going. Be anxious for nothing. By the way, that's an order. Well, Pastor, everybody worries. Does that make it right? Everybody sins. Okay, well then let's just jump right in. No, no, no. (laughs) Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's right. In fact, if everybody is doing it, it probably means it's wrong. (laughs) More than likely. Good rule of thumb there. But be anxious for what? You know the word means? No thing. Be anxious for no thing. For nothing. But by prayer... But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's petition. That's petitioning God with thanksgiving. Boy, thanksgiving is a powerful thing here. I'm going to hold off on that. Let your requests be made known to God. Go to God and give it to Him. Look at this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word guard literally means to garrison, it's a military term. It literally means to set a guard around your heart and a guard around your mind. Let me tell you, if your heart is guarded and your mind is guarded, would you not experience the peace of God? That's peace. To know you're covered, to know He's got your back, He's for you. Now, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, this tells you what to put your mind on. Whatever's true, whatever noble, whatever things are just, whatever fear, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and, if anything, praiseworthy, think on, meditate on these things. The things that you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. This is Paul speaking. These do what I just told you. Do this and the God of peace will what? Be with you. You want God to be with you? I don't know about you, but I'm choosing joy. It's my choice to rejoice and I'm choosing it. All right. Here's another thing. The anointing or the manifest presence and power of God brings about the oil of joy. The oil of joy. And we'll close with this scripture. Isaiah 61, it says this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now remember Jesus in Luke chapter 4 quoted this as well because this was a prophetic uh, picture of Jesus. So here's where it was written originally in the book of Isaiah as dictated through the prophet. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, empowered me, gifted me with His presence to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom or liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort, now look at this, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. Now we would see that as as an Old Testament type and shadow of what's to come in the new testament so he's talking about the nation of zion israel and yet in the new testament counterpart or the prophetic picture of that would be the church the body of christ the kingdom of god to console those who mourn in zion in the kingdom to put it in our language or our time to give them look what look what he gives us beauty for ashes let me tell you something don't get all female on this thing, all right? You know, I mean, every female ministry on the planet is called beauty for ashes. But let me just say something. There's some guys that need something beautiful to come out of the destruction and the devastation of sin. There's some guys that need to rise out of the ashes. Amen? He exchanges that. Beauty for ashes. Don't just think in feminine terms here. The oil of joy. Whoa, wait a minute. Oil of joy? You mean joy can be bottled? We wish. <laughs> But it's that anointing. It's that grace. I'd buy it, would you not? It, it's that grace. It's, that, it's that, that anointing. That's what the word anoint means. That meshach, that rubbing off, that smearing upon. That's that anointing of joy. The oil of joy in exchange for mourning. Anybody broken? Anybody need to be comforted? Let me tell you, there is an oil of joy. There is an anointing of joy that is available to you. Well, how do I get it? Let's see. The oil of joy for mourning, look what you get. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's a principle here that I'm telling you, you got heaviness on your life, you need joy. Let me tell you, you put on the garment of praise. You begin to do what David did. He danced, not only in the presence of the Lord, although he did dance for an audience of one, but he was in the presence of a lot of people. He put on the garment of praise. You know what? And I don't care how crazy we sometimes look here. Let me tell you something. When you've been to hell and back and you got a little residue of smoke on your life, you better do some praising. You better do some dancing. You better look a little silly to the world out there. Let me tell you something. We don't look any crazier in here than if we go to a Creed concert. Come on, somebody. Or an Eminem concert. Come on. Or a Shakira concert. That is somebody, right? But I, little out of the loop on some of these. Thank God. Bon Jovi concert. Okay, now. All right, ladies, calm down. All right. Listen to this. You put on the garment of praise. But we don't look any crazier. It's funny how in church we'll get in here and we don't want to look silly. But we'll go anywhere else and look ridiculous for anything but God. Yeah, I know. It's the truth. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness will land the plane, that they may be called, look at this, trees of righteousness. And I'm telling you, a trees got roots that go deep. And when you're planted, the planting of the Lord, that He may be. Glor- Notice the, here's the whole result you get joy, you get the garment of praise, you get all these amazing things, you get comforted, you get consoled, but He gets glorified. See, God gets glorified when you're whole. Listen to me. God gets glorified when you're blessed. When you're whole, when you're blessed, God gets glorified. Not you. It's not about you getting the blingiest car you can find. So to say, look at me, look how blessed I am, look at check my wheels, check my ride. No, 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 it's about you living in such a way that people see you standing upright, the glory of the Lord, the tree of righteousness. People say, my goodness, I don't know what they got, but I want it. I'll take two of those. Whatever they had, I want two. All right. So back to where we started. Get this word on your mouth. Begin to declare Begin to speak, begin to declare, listen, God is good, God's for me, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you need strength? Let me tell you what's going to get it. It's the joy of the Lord that's going to give you strength. You're having a bad day, you're feeling beat down, you just need energy. Oh, man, all right, you can get you a five-hour energy drink. Hallelujah, praise God for those, amen? Or, or go to Starbucks, whatever you need to do. But let me tell you where real strength's going to come. It's going to come from the joy of the Lord because it's going to be a strength that lasts and that gets you through. Amen? Let's all stand together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm-mm. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word because your word is producing life in us. And Father, I thank you that as your word produces that life, and we become these trees of righteousness, standing upright, not bent over, not broken. Not bowed down and cowering in fear, but standing upright before you. And you get glory from that. So God, I declare, I speak, and I call those things that are not as though they are, that Father, we are a congregation that is whole in the name of Jesus. We embrace wholeness. We embrace blessings so that we can be a blessing because we can't give away what we don't have. So Father, I declare wholeness blessing i declare that we are a congregation that look like a forest trees of righteousness planted by rivers of water the lord bringing forth its fruit in its season never withering never going away but producing year around year around consistent i call it forth i declare it i make it quite clear in the name of jesus we thank you for your joy we choose joy tonight in jesus name everybody sit